Hello everyone and welcome to Stories Between the Lines, a podcast hosted by Nandini and Poini. In this podcast, we curate books, chat with authors and take you on a journey with travel writers. Sometimes we will also do table talks with people from the food world. What could be better than talking about travel, food and books, right? Hi everyone, this is Nandini in New Jersey. Hope everyone's having a great summer and hopefully enjoying some good summer reads as well. My summer is going by rather fast. I wish to slow it down a little bit. I walked into the store the other day and saw the fall decors and Halloween stuff out in the aisles already. As much as I love fall and autumn and the fall colors, July is way too soon to see Halloween decors. But anyway, earlier in July, I did go on a trip. Yes, a little vacation, not a little vacation, a good vacation. After almost a year and a half of staycation, we took a family trip to Iceland. And what a magnificent country that is. And I'm so in love with the landscape and uh, the country as a whole. It was truly one of the most memorable trips and really thankful for it. I actually ended up writing a travelogue about it because I loved it so much. And maybe... I may end up doing a podcast at some point about Iceland. Anyway, before my trip, I was actually looking for a good book to give me company on the flight. So when Poini and I were thinking of books to review in the podcast, I kind of uh, glanced through many story uh, synopsis on Goodreads and other uh, portals. And then Chilpi Somaya Gauda's book, The Secret Daughter, caught my eye. So I downloaded the audio version of the book for my flight. Then an idea sprouted in my little head. Why not review two books by the same author? You know, a little challenge won't hurt to kickstart the podcast journey, right? I just thought it would be great to compare and contrast the author's journey with the two stories. So we added Shilpi's latest book, The Shape of Family as well, to review in this episode. Uh, I must admit that I was being overly ambitious to read both books and that too after a slump in reading books in the past few months. But I did finish The Secret Daughter while on vacation and then When I got back, I was caught up with so many million other things after my trip. I thought I wasn't going to finish The Shape of Family. I told Poini this too, but I'm happy to report that somehow I managed to finish the book yesterday. Yay! So I managed to read uh, both (laughs) books in time uh, for our recording today. Hi, Poini. How's it going in Mumbai? You've had some crazy rains out there. Yes, yes. As usual, Mumbai has been besieged by monsoon. Severe, incessant rainfall, stormy weather day in, day out with flooding. And of course, a mood swinger too. Oh my and goodness. of course, with the rains, what visits us? The viral flu with oh. cough and cold visiting every other household. Sneezes oh. and coughing. So that's what has been happening out here. A good cure for that would be some chai and samosas. <laughs> uh, yes, chai I agree on, but not the samosas because that is going to add on to my coughing. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
And I've also been busy with my mom, who has visited me after a really, really long time. She used to live in Mumbai, and then she's been living in Hyderabad. And now she's come here to spend some quality time with me. And I'm so very happy, you know, we are talking about the days uh, gone by and the present and the future. And, you know, we are just enjoying time. School. Time is always a lovely time to catch up with your mother. Enjoy. So true. So true. I'm really, and that's when the chai comes in. So we are sipping on a chai. And she may be eating the samosas, not me. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> and, and exam time too at school, my daughters. And then I'm trying to fit in some reading and reviewing of nice, interesting books. Lovely way to spend a monsoon day. Yes, so true. So let's uh, let's hear it from you. A little synopsis about, uh, I think you're going to review this, the shape of family, right? Yes, yes. I'm going to review The Shape of Family by Shilpi Somaya Gauda. And uh, this was published in 2019. The Shape of Family is a narrative of loss, what if, guilt, finding ways to cope with tragedy and coming together to heal. It is a story of grief. The Shape of Family is a fictional story of the Olanders living in upper middle-class life in suburban California. Keith Olander is an American and is married to Jaya, an Indian. He is a financial banker working hard to do good for his family. He loves and respects his wife, Jaya, very much. Their life is complete with their two beautiful children, 11-year-old Karina and 8-year-old Prem. A little bit about the children. Karina, Kiki, as called by her younger brother, Prem, feels different amongst her peers. Many a time she finds herself lost between her American and Indian heritage due to her skin tone and hair. She loves horses and has magic in her fingers when it comes to gardening and growing fruits or vegetables. She is serious in nature with an independent streak. She tries to fit in. Whereas eight-year-old Prem is the light of the family with his friendly, jovial nature. He can make anyone laugh with his jokes. The siblings have a strong connect with Karina, always protecting him from school bullies and looking out for him. She is his partner in crime when doing anything against their parents' wishes. She is his pay like two peas in a pod. Life continues till one day, the unthinkable happens. One afternoon, after Karina and Prem are back from school with both parents at work, in an unfortunate incident, Prem dies in the family swimming pool. When Karina realizes what has happened, she tries her best to revive him, but he is dead gone. Each family member is devastated, be it Jaya, Keith, and Karina, to lose a child and a brother, a sibling, is unfathomable. No one blames Karina, for she was but a child herself, but she suffers from racking guilt that she could not foresee and do anything to save her brother. Karina 
to escape the tragedy, starts self-harming herself by cutting her inner thighs, which gives her a relief, a release from the pain of losing frame. Jaya too blames herself. What if she were at home instead of work? The Alanders individually find ways to cope with the tremendous loss and trauma of losing Prem, but find themselves drifting apart, each immersed in their own misery, anguished and helpless. In her pain, Jaya emotionally and mentally starts shutting Keith out as if she is suffering alone. And this gives rise to arguments and fights between them. Though they love each other, Keith and Jaya divorce. Another blow to young Karina after the death and trauma of losing her brother Prem. Time passes by. Jaya leans towards spirituality, seeking answers to the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. Keith gets busy in his job and career, and Karina sets up for university, trying to start afresh. But can troubles be far behind? Karina, in her quest to be accepted amongst her friends, makes a few choices and decisions which may or may not be good for her. Another tragedy waiting to happen. Will the family come together this time, be strong to support each other and heal? The Shape of Family is a story of forgiving, belonging, being together, and trying to heal oneself. An emotional tearjerker where you would need a tissue by your side, since tears will surely cloud your eyes time and again, and it did for me. So Nandini, what do you think of the book, The Shape of Family? Yeah, that now was that's an awesome summary, Poini. Um, yes, I listened to the audio version of The Secret Daughter uh, on my trip and then read The Shape of Family after I came back. I think if you enjoy character-driven, emotional family stories, then both these books are a must-read. Uh, the Shape of Family was, a, as you said, it was a more of a tearjerker for me. I think um, losing someone dear uh, is a truly a devastating uh, event in anybody's life. It, and it's a lifelong grieving process. You never really get over it, but with time, you learn to live without the person in your life. I mean, life as you know, it will never be the same without this loved one that you've lost. Um, I remember reading uh, a book option two by uh, Cheryl Sandberg, uh, who's the chief operating officer at Facebook. She talks about the grieving process after her husband suddenly died of a cardiac arrest while on a family vacation. And she mm -hmm. talks about the struggles to recover from this uh, loss. People uh, who, uh, who are around you at work or even your family and friends, they really don't know how to approach you or offer solace at this time because it's a difficult time. I mean, people generally ha uh, have a hard time talking about grief and anyone dealing with grief uh, feels lost. And um, option two is a great read if uh, anybody wants to 
explore uh, what Cheryl has to say in that book. I think everyone deals with grief differently. There's no one way to grieve. Timing um, of how long one person has to grieve or move on is different for for different people. I like Mm -hmm. how Shilpi makes each family member deal with the tragedy in their own unique ways to move forward, you know, from a painful past into a more uh, hopeful future by the end of the book. Mm -hmm. True. Okay, so now we will now move on to reflect on the book and how each of us, Poini and I, perceive the various aspects in the story. I think uh, for me, one of the things I really liked about is how Shilpi keeps the voice of Prem throughout the book. Uh, The story of The Shape of Family has a multi-voice narrative. One of the interesting aspects of the book is how Shilpi retains Prem's perspective about his family even after the tragic incident. Prem is the youngest family member in the story and he's about seven or eight years old at the beginning of the story. And she kept his voice and perspective alive while describing how the other three members of the family dealt with the tragedy. He's like their shadow who's forever present in their lives. He also gives a little lighter tone to this otherwise tragic story. As a child, uh, he sees things differently than the adults do, as most children are that way. Um, He eventually helps his family, especially his sister, Karina, deal with the grief. Poini, I think a prem is the glue that keeps the family together before and after the tragedy. Did you feel the same? Yeah, so like Prem mentions that he was the glue keeping the family together. Uh, Prem, as we know in the beginning, with his gregarious and jovial nature, he kept the bond alive in his family because of Karina's serious nature. And he was the link, the common link in the family. So, you know, even if they were ups- he was the glue, even they, um, uh, they were together. And uh, even with his jokes, they laughed with him, they were together. What I feel is that uh, I'm happy that Shilpi did not put uh, him aside after his death and he's there in every other chapter. And for me, Prem was the Sutradhar of the shape of family. Now, Sutradhar is a Sanskrit word which means the thread holder. So he was the link that connected all the other members of the family. He was the bond, the togetherness. And uh, like uh, in drama or in a puppet show, you have a puppeteer carrying the story forward. So the same way Prem was a Sutradhar. Great way to put it. That's a great word that you've used here that pretty much defines his his role in the story. And because of that, you know, uh, he, he helped the family by, since they all were suffering their misery and helplessness and they all were drifting apart. But he was a common glue. Like he said, he was a glue that stopped the family from breaking apart. So they remember the happy memories, the sad memories. Keith, Jaya and Karina held on to all these memories. And in his own unique way, they helped them all heal. And, you know, one part also Prem mentions that each of each one of us need a pair to exist. Yeah. So uh, when he was alive, Karina was his pair in many naughty, mischievous things that they did when their parents that their parents were not aware of. 
and now he is happy to see that each one is trying to exist in a pair like his father keith has his career his job his girlfriends his mom has her spirituality and her brother dave who she connects to every other day and of course his sister now has her boyfriend james so uh, rather than suffer alone you can coexist in a pair yep I think of all the three characters that cope with grief, Karina in her adolescent phase of life and who, as you said, considers Prem or her soulmate is trying to maintain her independence and trying to uh, blend in to find her own identity and wants to start a life afresh when, he, when she goes off to college. She holds a lot of promise at that time, but during that transition, she makes certain choices which may may or may not be good for her and it is interesting that shilpi explores the world of cults in the book i think that's a that's mm-hmm. another dramatic uh, twist in the book did a little research uh, the aspect of the story emerges from uh, shilpi's uh, real life experience i read an article where she says that um, she had a brilliant friend in college after graduation this friend moved away from home to pursue her career dreams in this uh, new place she met a group of people and soon moved in with them and while the rest of her family and friends thought that she was pursuing her career dreams uh, they soon learned that uh, she had died in the confines of this uh, new age cult group it was mass murder suicide and there were no witnesses so those who knew this young woman were left puzzled uh, how did someone with such a promising future become so vulnerable you know sometimes mm-hmm. when a person is struck by tragedy they are left yeah. with more questions instead of answers and those questions eventually grow into insecurity and they mm-hmm. fall into uh, traps like this i think you see and hear about many cult uh groups and cultures in different parts of the world um yeah. and, and not just in in india these cults could be religious political etc i mean even sports teams and certain brands can inspire the same loyalty though not in the same harmful ways like a sports fandom is like a religion to some and even uh, sometimes get can get very violent Uh, i think lately lately among youngsters or even with the mature adults brand loyalty is another cult where they only buy certain types of brands and they look down upon uh, others who buy uh, different brands uh, they, they expect you to follow that cult like um, you know mindset like even in my family there's a cult loyalty towards apple products and i am the only outcast you know who uses android devices and uh, which is fine by me but they kind of tend to say you know apple is the best and you know what not and yeah. for some because of uh, various circumstances if they fall into a cult group they let the leader of the group control every aspect of their life even including their self identity which happened with karina in the book yeah. i think that's when uh, it gets dangerous and um, yeah. they need help so, to come out of this mm-hmm. yeah so like in the story I, and i like you uh, explained this so beautifully so when the young are you know hurting or vulnerable or grieving for some tragedy it is so easy 
for them to be manipulated by a smooth talking person or people because they want to be accepted, they want to let go of their past. So the same way Karina also is befriended by Mika, a charismatic man, you know, at her place of work. And uh, she is taken in with his winsome ways and earnest talks of living with like-minded people in a sanctuary. So like you spoke about the cult, each member is living a simple life and uh, cultivating their own food and produce and eating it. So sometimes maybe uh, they do start with good uh, good intentions yeah, yeah intentions but you never know who you meet along the way yeah. and when and where it can turn into something totally different so this is what karina goes through and with a few bad choices and decisions and judgments you know the table kind of turns for karina in a way where maybe just maybe a tragedy is just waiting to happen True, true. And um, in that same vein, uh, I wanted to talk about Jaya, the mother in the story. She's a person of Indian origin living in the US, but her dad is a diplomat. And so she's lived in various countries around the world. I think in her Jaya's case as well, her mother has influenced her greatly with uh, the Indian custom. She's a uh, classical dancer and uh, uh, prayer rituals, which actually helps her later on. Um, when Jaya feels very alone after losing Prem and try, mm. she tries to find comfort in religion, which she calls uh, spirituality. Uh, she puts her heart and soul into spiritual practices every day and uh, the prayers she learned from her mother. Sometimes a person who has strong faith uh, or is religious uh, tends to cope with tragedy better. I don't know whether it's a means of escaping into that world or if it really gives them strength to move forward. Whatever it is, I've seen in many cases, people who are spiritual, who are religious, who have a strong faith in God seem to kind of tend to move on uh, with what destiny has uh, given them. What do you think? Yeah, so we all know that there is no coming back from death. And uh, it could be a sibling, a spouse, somebody very near and dear to you. So the tragedy is just too uh, tremendous, unmeasurable. So for grieving, like we all need to grieve and heal. Uh, we need a support system, something to hold on to. It may take years for the healing to take place, but it's good to talk. And this is when faith comes to fore, a belief that uh, we can, uh, you know, surpass this uh, tragedy. So through prayers, chanting, leaning and reading, going to a spirituality and trying to find answers as to why and how all this happened. This is what Jaya does, of course, in the book as we have read about it. And also when, uh, and also reading self-help books and positivity books. So when my father also expired uh, three years ago, it was uh, very difficult and it is still very difficult, but still keeping the faith alive. And, uh, you know, we talk about like, since my mom is here, we talk about all the memories and what all we used to do as kids and also while growing up and, um, that's the way we move forward. We will always miss him, but 
it is the faith that will help us heal i totally like agree that. with you that's why one of my favorite quotes in the book is uh, you know when prem says that best part of being a pair you know that just being with someone and feeling better that way even if you're not doing anything together or even speaking being part of a silent pair can feel really really good um i think uh, having someone to talk to could mean the difference between life and death in many cases it could be anyone a friend your mom dad sibling husband anyone um i often think how many suicides can be avoided if the person had someone to talk to or even simply listen in silence to them okay. at their most vulnerable moment even even if one doesn't have another human to be a pair a dog can be just as perfect or often a better companion they have a way of uh, realizing your stress and you know the way even though they can't speak the way their mannerisms often help melt away at least some of that anxiety silently yeah animals do have that in them they can they have the sixth sense right so they always come to know when we are hurting they so what's that. your favorite um, uh, quote yeah so uh, the pair one was of course one of the main ones but the other one that i liked is uh, we all have something that haunts us that prevents us from reaching our true potential you can do extraordinary things with your life if you choose and uh, well this is a quote that we totally if i would go to go to say then in life also my life also like you know all of us do have the potential but some for some reason or the other uh, we always stop ourselves from moving forward and uh, if we accept it then we can do lots more true true so that's a good a uh, discussion we've had a good perspective about the book so i'd like to end the review of the shape of family by saying that uh, despite the grief and the trauma the family goes through there is a hopeful ending so if you haven't read it i hope you will read soon and because it's a beautiful story of how a family overcomes grief to move forward so do read it if you get a chance You are listening to Stories Between the Lines, a podcast about fiction and real-life stories, travel tales, and food talk. We have received tremendous support in the past few days with our debut episode that gives a little preview to our audience about us and what to expect from this podcast. Thank you so much for all your love and support. Please continue to listen. and subscribe to this podcast from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast. Also, please like the Facebook page Stories Between the Lines podcast. We are now going to present the review of The Secret Daughter, the very first novel written by Shilpi Somaya Gowda. The Secret Daughter is a story centered around Asha who is the secret daughter in 1994 a baby girl is born to Kavita and Jasu who live in a village near Mumbai and have very minimal income Kavita is forced to give away an earlier girl child born to her 
This tragic mercy killing of the newborn girl is unknown until the very end of the novel. Girls are considered a burden on a family that is already strapped for money. So when Kavita has a second baby girl, she tries to save this baby by secretly taking her to an orphanage in Mumbai with the help of her sister. She names the baby girl Usha. After a period of withdrawal and heartbreak, Kavita tries to rebuild her relationship with Jasu and soon gives birth to a baby boy. The pregnancy and the birth of a baby boy leads to much celebration and pride within the family. Although Kavita is happy with the birth of a baby boy, she continues to mourn for her baby girls and giving up her second daughter to an orphanage haunts her for the rest of her life. Jasu convinces Kavita to move the family from the small village to Mumbai to seek better opportunities and a better life for Vijay, their son. On the other side of the world, Krishnan and Somar are a married couple who are both doctors living in California. Krishnan belongs to a prominent Indian family in Mumbai. He pursues his medical degree in California where he meets Somar and falls in love with her. They get married. Somar's life is everything she imagined it would be. A perfect marriage, successful career as a physician, until she discovers she will never be able to have children after, after suffering multiple miscarriages that lead to a premature condition uh, uh, that leads to a premature menopause in her early 30s. After much convincing by Krishnan, Somar agrees to adopt a baby from India. Krishnan's mother helps the couple with the adoption process. Kavita's baby girl, who's renamed Asha in the orphanage, is adopted by Krishnan and Somar and they take her to the US. As Asha grows up in the US, she struggles with self-identity. At the same time, Krishnan and Somar also struggle with the boundaries they set for Asha and their expectations of her as parents. Much against her parents' wish for her to be a doctor as well, Asha pursues to study journalism in college. She wins a scholarship in college with an opportunity to go to India for a journalism project. Much against her mother's apprehension, Asha decides to take up the project and makes a solo trip to India. She lives with Krishnan's family and bonds with all of them. As she continues her work on the project in Mumbai, she tries to trace her biological parents that eventually leads her to the adoption agency. With no good record-keeping practice, it is difficult for the agency to trace her parents. But eventually, with the help of the manager at the agency, she finds out the circumstances under which her biological mother had to give her up for adoption. Through her journalism project, she begins to understand the plight of the people of Mumbai slums in Dharavi, where she documents many cases, case studies. During Asha's stay in India, she gets 
very close to her adoptive grandmother, Sarala, and the rest of the family. She enjoys the cultural vibrance of her community. She starts to feel a sense of belonging. Towards the end of her stay in Mumbai, Asha's grandfather, that is Chris's father, dies. The series of ceremonies that follow this event elevates Asha's respect and admiration for her grandmother and the family values she treasures. The novel ends with a message that family means those with whom you create relationships, whether bound by blood or not. Fantastic. That is a beautiful summary that you have given. And uh, I can see that is a really sensitive story. And the story is quite in-depth where it deals with so many important themes in family relationships. It has adoption, identity, infertility, female infanticide. So the author has really covered a lot in this one book itself. Yeah, I think the story to me is about motherhood and the sacrifices it requires. I think mm. the, tra the novel travels through 20 years and is told through the eyes of two mothers, Kavita and Somar, two very different personalities and the daughter they share, that is Asha. As you said, the book touches on many sensitive topics ranging from motherhood to female infanticide, adoption, matrimonial relationship, and so much more. And also think Shilpi has tried to make each character so real, uh, humanizing them by highlighting both the positive and negative qualities in each. I think she's fair in building up each character's personality and highlights um, their uh, characteristics brilliantly. It's an excellent book for a book club read as it touches on so many topics that would be a great uh, discussion points and to introspect. Mm -hmm. So true what you are saying. So to kickstart the talking points for this book, I wanted to find out what inspired Shilpi to write a book about adoption. So I read an article where she talks about uh, the inspiration for the novel or where the seedling for the story emerged. When she was a college student, this was uh, many years before she actually wrote the book, Shilpi okay. spent a summer in India as a volunteer at an orphanage. That experience, much to her surprise um, of what her expectations of an orphanage was in her mind, actually turned out to be a pleasant one. She expected yeah. an orphanage to be a sad place, but it really wasn't. The children she interacted with were a happy bunch, despite you know, the difficult circumstances under which uh, they were brought to the orphanage. The relationship she built with these uh, children left a kind of a lasting impression on her. And that's what transpired uh, to, for her to write a book, The Secret Daughter, uh, many years later. A story okay. about a little girl who was born in one family, but raised in another under very different circumstances. Okay. So Nandini, the book portrays two different couples, two very different marriages. Did you feel one marriage was fundamentally stronger than the other? 
well both marriages portrayed in the story krishnan and somar in the us and kavita and jasu in india face significant challenges uh, through their matrimonial life but throughout the story the relationship of the couple plays out very differently in a way uh, shilpi contrasts and compares the cultural differences in the two marriages uh, in india at least up until a decade ago the institution of arranged marriage was very prominent although arranged marriages are still the norm where the each um, where the bride and groom's families actually set out to do the matchmaking um yes. it's not i think this concept is not going away anytime soon but there is a growing trend uh, amongst youngsters to choose their own partners uh, what we all know this this type of marriage to be love marriages um oh. it's a very uh, uh, indian or asian concept the concept of arranged marriages versus love marriage jasu mm-hmm. and kavita are in an arranged marriage relationship where they truly follow the better of a for worse or until death do us apart vows they take at the wedding um in an arranged marriage you not only marry your partner but you kind of marry into a family and it's this is especially true for women uh whereas krishnan and somar come from very different family backgrounds he is from a big prominent joint family and she was raised to believe that uh, families are small intimate and private because that's how she her she was raised uh, these differences kind of plays out in their matrimonial life especially when somar visits india to adopt asha she is in a cultural shock it is an entirely different world for her uh, the initial story at, i believe was set in early 90s uh, in the absence of google at the time westerners did not know what to expect they when when they visited a country like india you know which is a completely different world than they're used to the interconnected families and the extended families the mannerisms the bureaucracy uh, it's a it's a cultural shock for many people uh, and at that time the concept of interracial couples was uh, not very uh, often heard of even even in the us now i think the awareness is there thanks to the globalization the internet and uh, bollywood movies are very popular in the western world as well, as well. although bollywood movies are not the reality but it uh, provides some insight into the culture of india you know okay. as a yeah as the story involves we get to read the journey both couples have to take and how they recover from their conflicts and um, how they overcome it so there i think uh, both fam both couples have to realize what works best for them totally you have hit nandini you have hit bulls eye with all your points you have you know like totally one by one you have listed them listed them out perfectly so uh asha so when asha grows up with a deep sense of curiosity about her biological family in india so uh, do you think that this is a natural curiosity for all adopted children what do you think i think i tend to think that uh, an adopted child at some point 
wants to find out who the birth mother is uh, to get answers to basic questions like, you know, where do I come from? Why was I put up for adoption? Um, I, I think this mindset is very clearly essayed by Asha in the book. I think even at a very young age, an adopted child, especially from India or other Asian countries, can uh, definitely notice a difference in the physical appearance when they see their adoptive parents, especially the couple who adopted the child are both Westerners. I listened to an adoption story on the radio a while back about this young woman named Ashley, who was adopted as a child from the Philippines by an American couple, Ashley recalled as a child, uh, staring at family photos and researching for uh, any hint of resemblance in her and in her and her parents and feeling sad as she could not see any resemblance. This couple eventually ended up having two biological children after adopting Ashley. I think at around eight years of age, she decided that at some point in her life, she would want to set out on a mission to find her birth mother. And most cases, I think they are drawn towards their birth mother um, more so than the biological father. But it was only after she turned 30, she could actually start the research because she thought she was finally mature enough to handle the search and prepare herself for to come face to face with her birth mother. I think not all adopted parents may be supportive of their child's search for their biological mother. Uh, insecurity plays a huge role, as we see in Asha's uh, uh, adopted mother, Soma. She feels so insecure about her going to India, and then she feels like her love for Asha is not enough to hold her back. I think it's a very natural phenomena. I think the secret daughter, we read that the adoption agencies do not have good record keeping practices, making it difficult to trace the biological mother. I think, and also the moment when the biological mother and the child she gave up for adoption meet, I, I just cannot fathom how emotionally charged that moment would be. Can you yeah. imagine so many years could have potentially passed? Where do you begin and what can either of them expect? It would be hard to find a common element. More often than not, the child will have a better life than the birth mother could have provided. And for the mm -hmm. child, it takes a certain maturity to understand under what circumstances the mother would have been forced to give up a newborn for adoption. I don't think, no, I don't think uh, any mother intentionally wants to put up a child for adoption. Uh, it could be because of a single, because she's a single mom, she can't afford to take care of the child or a rape victim, or in the case of the secret daughter's story, it was because the fear of uh, in female infanticide. There could be so many reasons and um, it's, it's hard not, it's, we should try and not be judgmental about okay. women who give up their children for adoption. After all, they're mothers and it will mm. break their heart like we've seen in the book. I think yeah. um, speaking of uh, female in infanticide, uh, Shilpi very sensitively draws attention to this uh, hot button social issue. I think uh, 
family family economics is probably the number one reason for female infanticide in india you know followed by of course social norms especially in so rural india uh, boys considered to have more earning potential or can do hard labor for the families especially living in farming communities in india parents depend on their sons to take care of them in their old age while a girl yeah. is married off and families op- often have to pay a huge dowry even uh, even if they can't afford to marry her off you know the dowry consists of large amounts of money and uh, valuable goods for families with several daughters that can this can be a serious financial burden isn't it Yes, yes. So you know, for want of a male child uh, in India, like uh, many families want the male child to carry the name forward to the next generation, and uh, also because they believe that uh, a girl uh, is anyways going to get married, she is not going to be any longer a part of our family. And uh, after marriage, uh, and also uh, during marriage. Uh, many many families different stratas of society they still ask for a high amount of dowry and by high amount of dowry i mean really high even if they cannot afford it they have to you know uh, borrow for money lenders to have a nice wedding and also pay dowry so uh, this is a reality which is a part of india no doubt there are changes happening positive changes but still to a big uh, uh, amount i think it is still in the rural india and also out here and uh, as a whole uh, there's a lot of inequality amongst people and the standards of living is really high so if a parent has many daughters not necessarily it's a boon and a blessing to have a daughter or daughters but since we are still stuck in certain uh, norms social norms and beliefs there is always the want of a male child well, there is a lot of progress being made i think uh, it will take uh, yeah. several years or decades to undo yeah. some of these unfortunate uh, uh, social stigmas or social curses <laughs> that has uh, taken over the society true So what's your favorite uh, quote from the book? Okay, uh so one or two I liked. One would be at some point the family you create is more important than the one you were born into. And I think this would be for Asha. Right? true actually i love that quote as well uh, not just from uh, the stories per- perspective but That's it kind true. of resonated with me so much in a different sort of way because uh, mm-hmm. when i left my uh, birth family back in india this was 26 years ago uh, i was and I, in many ways i'm still looking to form my own circle of friends who i can mm-hmm. call a uh, family you know because we all i think these days even in india a lot of them move away from their birth families or birth hometown uh, to seek other opportunities but they are, you know they form a, they make a home away from home and this okay. particular sentence really resonated with, with me a lot true same with me i also have a few favorite characters in this book all of them inspiring and fiery women 
Uh, I loved uh, Sarala, Asha's grandmother, that's Chris's mother. An honorable mention must be made for this incredible character in the book. Sarala welcomes and embraces Asha and she works uh, tirelessly to unite the family. She's kind of the glue in the family. She reminds me of uh, the important role that grandparents can play in a family. And uh, Kavita, what a strong woman and a character I empathize with the most. I think one does not have to be a mother to feel Kavita's pain in the story. The sacrifices she makes, the challenges she absorbs into herself as a mother, wife, and even her daughter, as a daughter to her own parents and um, all the roles she plays and everything in between. I loved Asha, of course. She's so brave and has a mind of her own and she has a, she's curious and determined to pursue her self-identity. And I love the way she kind of uh, tries to fit in with Chris's family when she's in Mumbai and the bond she she strives hard to strike a bond with her grandmother and that's a, that's a lovely side of her you get to see all three women are very inspiring and the last question to you would be since you have read the book you have loved it i want to know if you would want want Shilpi to write a sequel to the secret daughter oh i really hope she shilpi will write a sequel to this daughter i mean to this book i think by the end of the book i wanted asha's story to continue on i would love to see asha marry that handsome guy she meets at a wedding and how she builds her own family i think a sort of a, like a love story would be really a good sequel i'm surprised that the book is not yet made into a movie it would I think it'll make a good screenplay and adding a wedding song and dance sequence will be so much fun to watch. It's a good totally. movie material. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, on that fun and hopeful note, we conclude this episode of the podcast. I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed the review of two books by Shilpi Somaya Gowda, The Secret Daughter and The Shape of Our Family. I really hope... Sometime in the foreseeable future, we get Shilpi on our show and talk about her other books. It would be such an honor to have her on the show. Yes, totally. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Stories Between the Lines podcast on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcast. Please leave a comment on the Facebook page as well. Stories Between the Lines podcast. Thank you for listening. We will be back again next month with another episode of Stories Between the Lines. This time, we will take you on a journey with the cool travel stories. Until then, be well and enjoy the rest of your summer.